Welcome into a brand new Tuesday Scramble. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. And Andy, it is March 29th, 2022. But I don't know, man. Feels feels like April. Feels like Masters Week. Feels like we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, it almost feels like there's not a tournament this week. Like if you looked at Twitter this morning, it feels like we're already in Masters Week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm excited for the Valero Texas Open too, but I don't really have any problem with the the excitement getting to a fever pitch already. Yes, I... um... Of course, am uh, ready for this week. However, there is no tournament like this one that when the winning putt is halfway down, the entire golf universe has moved on. Yeah. Or when <laughs> a certain player, uh, there's word that he flies on site. That's yeah. when it almost begins, I guess. Yeah, so I, I texted you this, and I'll just let everybody know. I'm I'm already on standby uh, for CBS. So, like, if they call me at any point during this, I'm probably going to have to bounce. You and Armina are going to have to take it the rest of the way. But, like, there's a chance that uh, I get called into action here in the next hour. <laughs> no problem at all. I mean, I hope you stick with me, but I also kind of hope that we do get some more news around it. I will absolutely be able to hold, hold my own solo for the rest of the show. I'm used to it. If if we need to go there, but yeah, I mean, should we dive right in? Where do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to try to keep this on the outline. We've got plenty of tiger woods conversation coming up. We've got plenty of props coming up. That's because we are indeed presented by prize picks. We've been making a lot of money over there. And the prop that we have, the four legger that we have is a 12 and a half X payout so we've got that coming later in the show if you're not on price picks already use the code rick 100 instant deposit match up to 100 bucks the link is in the description let's talk about the match play andy real quick here because uh scotty scheffler continues the torrid heater that he is on uh now three victories in his last five starts and takes the crown from john rom as the number one player in the world Incredibly impressive stuff. I talked about, I think we talked about a bunch, maybe when we did some Twitter spaces in December, about how there are so many elite players and the gap between them is so little that we're probably going to get some sort of revolving door this next year because the parity at the top of the sport right now is so great. Now, I don't think that Scotty Scheffler was one of those players that we mentioned as having the potential to overtake John Rahm as world number one. Um, But I just, my biggest takeaway is it's so interesting to me how quick things can change in golf, right? And that's what's, I think an interesting discussion is like, is Scotty Scheffler the best player in the world? Is he the hottest player in the world? Like there's a lot there to digest, but there's nothing that we can take away from him. Uh, he's won on all different types of courses. He's won in different types of formats. He's taken down huge fields. He's done it in the majors before. And for better or worse, he is the deserving number one right now. Yeah, the critics will say the OWGR calculation is wrong if Scotty Scheffler can kind of ascend as quickly as he has. But it's a two-year rolling process i mean if these three wins were spread out over 18 months he'd almost get more credit for it andy right we'd almost be like wow he won three times in 18 months how impressive is that kind of what patrick cantlay did last year with the with the four victories but because it's three in five weeks that's almost a knock 
it's almost like, oh, well, this is just a heater. He's not really that good, which is hard for me to wrap my brain around. And by the way, I mean, I definitely think that the official world golf rankings are are probably flawed a little bit too. But for me, that has more to do with um, how kind of some of the lesser tours stack up to the PGA Tour and how that gets weighted. What I know is going to happen with the official world golf rankings has already been rumors of is that they're going to integrate more strokes gain stuff. And right. guess what? By the way, that's only going to help Scotty Scheffler's case because Scotty Scheffler is so consistent and he has a very, very high strokes gain number, not as high as Rom, but he's up there very, very high. So I think any way that you want to slice it, Scotty Scheffler deserves to be number one in the world right now. Yeah, and candidly, I wasn't super stoked about Scotty's chances at the match play because he was in the group of death, group five, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, and Poulter. Look, I mean, the path that he had to go through for this win was not only get out of group five, then down uh, the defending champion, Billy Horschel. He got past Seamus Power, beat Dustin Johnson, and then took out Kevin Kisner. I mean, this was no easy path to victory and it's another win as you mentioned with just an elite elite strength of field number i cannot begin to describe how impressed i was with scotty last week yeah he beat a he beat a ton of great players i you're right i did not think that he had an easy draw whatsoever i think he had the hardest side i think he had maybe both the hardest quadrant, the, the hardest side of, of the bracket. Um, it was no cakewalk by any means. I, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about Rick. I, I just, do you think, I don't know what else he has to prove at this point. Um, but how do you see this playing out for Scotty for the next couple of months? Do you think that he is like, uh, I don't have the calculations or any of that right in front of me, but is this a type of situation where like, if John Rahm or called Morikawa wins the Masters, they they get right back to number one. Yes, um, John <laughs> Rahm is very close to Scotty Scheffler. So what they do is they do it by average points. It's a it's an it's a very vast calculation. But Scotty's at eight point two nine. John Rahm is at eight point two one. That's very very close. If Rahm has a good finish, a victory at the Masters, Scotty Scheffler doesn't finish probably inside the top five or top ten. We could be talking about John Rahm being the number one player in the world again in two weeks. Same probably there are probably paths for Victor and Colin and probably even Patrick Cantlay to get to the number one player in the world if they were to win the Masters and maybe a couple other things happen. So the way that I imagine this playing out over the course of the next couple of weeks or months is yeah we might have a situation where rom's back on top and then maybe you get another good finish from scotty um you know at like the u.s open or something like that and he he moves up again i think there's a chance that this bounces around just a little bit uh over the course of the next year or so i would agree with that i think there are probably a lot of players in that mix too where it would not surprise me one bit if one of them got hot a Justin Thomas, a Patrick Cantlay, even a Brooks or a DJ and uh, took that over for a little bit themselves. I think it, I think the way that the narratives are shaping up right now for the masters, the way that we have this much parody at the top and it doesn't feel like there's a clear, this guy is completely on top of everyone. I think it's going to make for like a really, really fun masters and a really, really fun couple of months coming up. 
Yeah, and actually, the more that I look at this, um, Scheffler might, you know, barring like John Rom winning this, he might hang on to it for a couple of months at least because uh, Rom has a runner-up finish at the Farmers dropping off. He has a top 10 at Phoenix dropping off. He has a third-place finish at a WGC dropping off here in the next couple of weeks, while Scotty's next four events that are dropping off are three missed cuts and a T55. So he he's going to keep his good results in his... Uh, in his two-year rolling total here for at least a couple of more months. When are they? Do you know when they're changing it? By the way, no, I'd have to. I'd have to look that up. I know they announced it probably what a year ago. I don't know when yeah. they're when they're actually going to start implementing that. They they do it in calendar years, so it might be like it would likely be the start of a calendar year. So maybe the start of twenty twenty three. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, anyway, it was an incredible performance. I really like that tournament. I really like that course for match play. Um, I would be totally fine with, you know, even two of those a year. It was a really, really nice change of pace. Yeah, so a couple of one-and-done updates here. I had Alex Norin, who won his first two matches and then lost to Corey Connors and did not get out of his group. I got 133000 for that. You had Terrell Hatton, who did indeed get out of his group but lost in the Sweet 16 to Seamus Power, I believe. Is that He got right. waxed. Yeah, That's he got right. waxed by He got power. powered. Uh, yeah. Seamus got him. 220 k Then we also did Punta Cana, which... Uh, I had Kramer Hickok who started slow and finished well. T13, 74,000. You had Alex Smalley who I don't know if he had the, the lead on the back nine. Okay. I don't know if he posted the lead, but I know he had the lead on the back nine. T2, 329,000. So you add all that up together. You're at 2.9 million. I'm at 788,000. A uh, couple of takeaways here, Andy. Good week for you, but I feel like you should have gotten more for Hatton getting out of his group. Uh, for me getting Norin, who, who did not get out of his group, it's only, you know, it's less than a hundred grand difference. That was surprising when I saw that, just looking at the outline, the Punta Cana thing, by the way, um, I don't know if people remember from last week, we put that in at the very, very last second. I suggested it during the show and I hand up had done zero research on Putacana. I basically just picked Alex Smalley because he went to Duke and I was feeling the vibes that week and people started messaging me. I, I, I would have, I almost would have felt guilty if he ended up winning um, because it was not part of the plan to include it, but very, very happy to get away with that one. And I've got some breathing room. I'm starting to say this is part of the part of the season where I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel pretty good. I'm not going to deviate from the plan or the strategy. None of the majors have happened yet. Uh, we still got another, another WGC, but I feel I have not gotten a win. I actually have my stats, I think, somewhere. Rick, of all the, all the picks that I've made, and I don't think I have missed a cut. You I've gone, okay, I've made 12 of 12 cuts, 8 of 12 top 25s, five of 12 top tens, two of 12 top fives. So I've just been consistently strong. Right. Yeah. It's actually quite impressive because the most you've made in a single week was John Rahm, 445,000. So that's, you've been plugging away with solid selections for uh, the entirety of the year. And that's got you building a, a, a nice little lead here. So yes, I love your position a lot more uh, than I love my position, certainly heading into this week and heading into major championship season. 
Uh, two quick housekeeping items. Uh, I have family in town this week, so my live chat, the Rick Run Good live chat, is moved up three hours. That's now going to be Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And Andy, your course uh, preview, your course breakdown, now live on rickrungood.com. And we are a handful of weeks into this. The rave reviews uh, that these articles that you're writing for the website are getting uh, I, I, I are endless, seemingly. <laughs> I appreciate that, man, a lot. Yeah, a lot of people really seem to like that. So use promo code Andy when you sign up for rickrungood.com. You'll get all of my exclusive written content. I do a Monday course breakdown, and I also do a Wednesday DFS thoughts where I take everything into account from the week, ownership, weather, price, all of that, and give like a final DFS report that seems to have been helping a lot of people as well. So I'm very excited for the opportunity you've given me here, and I'm having a blast with it so far. From the data side, like me, uh, having something that adds context to the data, uh, it it seems to be filling a void on the site. So very, very excited about that. Um, Okay, we have have to talk about the Valero Texas Open. We have to talk about props. We're going to get into matchups and one and done. But the news of the morning, Andy, we would be crazy if we did not discuss the fact that Tiger Woods' jet – has indeed landed in Augusta, Georgia. Sports Illustrated reporting that he is playing a practice round today on Tuesday. Charlie also there. Justin Thomas in attendance as well. I know we were expecting this. I tweeted this out a, a day or two ago that we, we're going to get reports he's playing a practice round. We, we knew that, but it is still different when it finally comes out and it, it, it's actually happening. I'll say this. Hand up on this one because I was one of the people that firmly believed that we would not see him until at earliest St. Andrews. Um, at this point, I have no reason to believe that he's not playing. I mean, he, he's in the DraftKings pricing. He's going over there to play practice rounds. Um, it doesn't seem to me like he would. And I want to get your take on this too but it doesn't seem to me like he would play if he doesn't think that he really has a legitimate chance to win. So of course there is a possibility that he goes there, he plays the practice round and he sees that it's too far of a bridge to climb for him and and his injury. But I, I just, if he's there, I mean, think about the, all of the decisions that had, to go into the fact to him even flying there. So where we stand now on Tuesday morning, nine days away from the masters, I have it as what, like a 90, 80% chance that he will be teeing it up in the field next Thursday. Yeah. So no one is going on the record with this, but the golf insider group chats are all lighting up right now with sources that I trust. We trust, and they're all saying the same thing that Tiger is in. Like that's 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 what's happening, and no one's willing to go on the record just yet because no one's going to jump in front of whatever Tiger's official announcement is going to be. But I'm telling you, that's what the conversation is now. I I go back and forth on the would he play? Like, like at this point, if you're going to play a practice round, I'm almost certain he's teeing it up. There, there's just little. What could happen? He's going to say the walk is too tough. You think Tiger Woods is going to say the walk 
at Augusta National is too tough? You think he's going to say, you know what, even if it is too tough, this is the only place in the world I'd be willing to gut it out for four days? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I can't envision barring some type of significant setback. If you're playing a practice round, I think you're going. And I do go back and forth on the whole, would he tee it up if he didn't think he was going to win? Well, the problem with that is, even if that's true, Andy, Tiger probably thinks he can win, right? Like, mm. like what event does Tiger not think he can win in any state? Uh, and also... I don't know if that has changed. I know historically it's like, I'm not going to play if I don't think I can win. You know, we heard the trials and tribulations of rehab and how they had to roll him outside and lay him on the grass and he would just look up. Maybe perspective changed a little bit and just playing the Masters uh, is good enough now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, that's the thing that's interesting to me is if he, if, what do you think is a realistic finish for him this week? Because as you kind of just touched on already, I think if he's playing, he's going, I, I don't see him shooting like 78, 78. No, I mean, if you remember, and this was in December when they had like the track man on tiger at PNC, I mean, the speed in the swing was there, right? I mean, his, yeah. the, the, you were looking at the club head speed and it was basically Colin Morikawa's average club head speed. Like that, that's where he was at. He was at tour level in terms of speed. I think that there are, um, situations in which, in which you need to get competitive reps to knock off rust things that are mostly short game related. So if you call, if you call him like, you know, he's two strokes worse uh, than the field because he's rusty around the greens or something like that. And then you combine that with the fact that he's probably two strokes better than the field because he's at Augusta national and he knows every braid blade of uh, grass and he can work his way around it better than anybody else. I don't know, man. I think I wouldn't, I do not think it would be unreasonable for tiger to make the cut and finish inside like the top 50. I don't think like if he plays, if we get to the point where he plays, I don't think that's all that unreasonable. Well, the other thing to consider with him is that Augusta is the number one course in terms of prop on the entire PGA tour schedule, in terms of nuance, in terms of course history, really, really mattering and playing a hand. And, and if you remember Rick in 2019, when he won in 2019, already by 2019 players like Brooks, and DJ and Rom and GT, all those guys were hitting the ball farther than him by then. Like Tiger has not been the Tiger that overpowered golf courses for five, six, seven years now. Like all those guys have passed him by in terms of distance. Where Tiger possesses his biggest advantage is all between the ears, right? He is still one of the smartest and most strategic and he just understands Augusta, I think in a way that other players don't. And he is so good at navigating this course and getting around this course. And that's how he won in 2019. He, he just didn't make some of the same mistakes that a lot of players were making. And that is the bump that you have to give him here, right? Is this is the one tournament where that intangible factor of course history and course kind of nuance and understanding matters more this week than any other this week. That's why it's hard to assess his chances. Like, are you going to play him at 8,500 in DraftKings? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I think, um, I, I, so, so it's funny because like 
before he announced that he was playing the PNC, uh, I bet him at Circa just as kind of like kicks and giggles because he was like 250 to one or something outrageous. And I was like, all right, you know, well, I'll throw like 20 bucks on it. Like I, I owe Tiger that. Uh, but a, a DFS lineup is just kind of inherently like I think it's just too risky, right? But if you want to bet him to, I don't know what you'll get on make the or make the cut odds or anything like that. But I, I, I think there's a path to him making the cut, finishing T48, and having everybody be pretty thrilled about the result. Yeah, and I, I think the price is high. I understand where it is because he's still going to garner a ton of ownership at that price. I think he'd garner ownership if he was above 9K too, right? Yeah, um, but, I mean, when you're next to guys like Sam Burns and Sung JM who are bona fide top 20 players in the world, right? Really good player. Sam Burns just won. Sung JM uh, is awesome and has finished second at the Masters before. For me, for guys like you and I that are grinding every single week and know how good Sam Burns and Sung JM, it's a little bit less enticing. But I think a lot of people are going to look at Tiger this week and like his chances. I think he's going to be a very popular bet. What do you think his closing number is, by the way, in the betting markets? 45 yeah, so I, to 1? Yeah, I already know, like, you know, DraftKings already has him down to like 60 or something like that. And the second we get, okay, let's say tomorrow, boom, Tiger tweets out, I'm playing, I'm excited to be back. Uh, I mean, they're just going to chop it. Yeah, it's going to I think it gets lower. Yeah. yeah. 30 to one, which is, which is not necessarily indicative of his odds of actually winning the golf tournament. That is go. It's going to be because it's going to be because the handle on him will be massive. Okay. Who closes at lower odds? Uh, Tiger Woods or Xander Shoffley? <laughs> I hope Xander, if there is, if there is sanity in the world, I hope it's Xander. Cause he's probably what? 28 at the moment. What is he right now? Yeah, he's 28, but I could see him. You know, that's the thing that's funny about it. I was just talking about this on a podcast yesterday. It's like some of these guys are going to drift um, come once the odds get readjusted on Monday and the market matures a little bit. And especially if Tiger's in the field, Tiger's going to drop. So, you know, it's there's probably a universe, Rick, where a guy like Patrick Cantlay, who we were all making the case could be the best player in the world just a couple of months ago closes at the masters at like 26, 27 to one and tiger woods closes at 30 to one. Like that reality is in play. Yeah. And we might not be too far away from that reality coming to fruition. We are probably, uh, we could talk about tiger for the next hour. We're going to put a pin in it there. Cause I imagine this news is going to change quite frequently. And then also maybe on Friday, what we'll do is maybe we'll do kind of like an early look at some of those salaries because they're going to, they're already out. And I, and I think it's kind of worth a bit of a discussion. So, um, we'll, we'll stop about tiger right now. We'll get into the Valero, Texas open. We've got props. We've got picks. We've got all that stuff coming up, but we're going to take 30 seconds and we'll see you on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. 
All right, Andy, we've got the Valero Texas Open. Deep breaths, deep breaths. We'll refocus on this week, and we're going to TPC San Antonio. You've given us a great breakdown on rickrungood.com in your article. Give us an idea about the challenges uh, that TPC San Antonio can present and maybe some skill sets to look forward to. You know, it's a pretty down-the-middle course, Rick. It's a pretty, like, vanilla stock par 72 PGA tour course where, you know, you have to keep the ball in play off the tee. Um, Obviously we've seen guys like Kevin not make a 16 here before. So the real trouble lies in that kind of forest Rocky area is really the problem. But if you keep the ball in play off the tee, hit your middle irons well and score on those par fives um, and putt a little bit obviously it's it's a pretty standard test i do think that a wide range of types of players can compete here we've seen a lot of shorter players compete here despite um the length of the course and that's because this is a course where they uh they water the greens a little bit but don't really water the fairways as much so it plays a little bit shorter than the yardage and to be honest with you rick i'm really just looking at guys who drive the ball pretty well, hit their mid irons well, and are good long-term par five scores and have had some success before on these overseeded uh, Bermuda grades. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, that was in my running notes as well Is like these, these fairways run out and it's going to say mm. 7,400 yards on the, on the scorecard or something like that, but uh, it plays shorter and it's been very dry in San Antonio the last month or so. So you imagine even the shorter guys who are keeping it in play uh, are not at a huge disadvantage. And you mentioned it. There's really no, like if you're a little bit off, all good, rough, no problem. Just don't be very far off. I believe you had TPC Summerlin as a comp in your article, which I loved because that's kind of the same thing. If you miss the fairway, no problem. If you're in the desert, you're dead. That's kind of like the, the, the similarities that you get to TPC San Antonio. Yeah, and TP Scottsdale is another one that I like that kind of has the same thing. And and believe it or not, there's actually a lot of crossover on those leaderboards between Summerlin and and Scottsdale and here. So yeah, what's funny about this course is you look at uh, the average dispersion of scores if you're just in the rough versus the fairway, and there's like no difference. But the the average dispersion of scores if you're not if you're not in the fairway, but not in the rough, which likely means you're either in a fairway bunker or the forest. And it's like shoots all the way to the top. So keep the ball in play, hit your middle irons. Well, and I think the, the last thing that is kind of more unquantifiable Rick. So, you know, guys like you and me generally stay away from this stuff for the most part, but I'm not as interested in guys that are already qualified for the masters this week, Rick. I, I, I look at seven of the last nine winners the week before the masters were not already qualified. We've had a lot of guys win here over a hundred to one. So I think the fact that this is the last chance for a lot of players to get into the masters, I'm probably favoring those types of guys over guys that are already in the field and maybe looking at this more of a tune-up. Yeah, last chance to get in. Uh, looking at the top of the field, I, I think it's a fascinating field. You've got Rory McIlroy playing the week before the Masters, something he has historically not done. You have Jordan Spieth in shrug form, trying to defend his title. Hideki Matsuyama uh, seemingly going to tee it up for the first time since his WD at the Players' Championship. Corey Connors went deep into the match play, which always gives some people a level of concern. And, and Bryson DeChambeau is here as well. I mean, it is like a fascinating board with lots of questions for the biggest names. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think the Rory thing's really interesting to me, right? Because I yeah, I think he's basically saying, you know, I need to try something different, right? Because obviously the Masters is Rory's white whale. And what has been Rory's bugaboo at the Masters the last couple of years? Getting off to these really, really slow yeah. starts where Thursday. he almost, <laughs> yeah, his Thursdays where he almost shoots himself out of the tournament on Thursdays. So I think he's probably saying, you know what? Guys like Phil Mickelson, guys like Brooks Kepka, those guys have had a lot of success playing the week before majors. I It's not something he typically does, but I like Rory saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to switch it up this time and try something different. I love this. I think that he has, and I believe he has mentioned this in an interview. It's just like he would take, he would usually play the match play and then take off until the masters. And he just spent all that time thinking about trying to complete the career grand slam. And, and it's been, he's got seven or eight cracks at it. It hasn't happened yet. And it's just like, you know, eating away at his brain and he's going to use this event to focus on something different. I'm, I'm all for this. I really, I think this is sharp by Rory. I'm interested to see, uh, one, how he plays this week, but if this changes anything for next week, because I, I think this is pretty good. I think there are a couple guys this week where we will see an overreaction to in the markets. I, I'm very curious to see how Bryson plays. Um, yeah. I'm very curious to see how Hideki plays coming off an injury, right? And if Rory, if Rory looks great, Rick, like if Rory top fives or top tens and you know, gains like six, seven, eight strokes ball striking. He'll be right down there in the mix. I think yep. he will be right in the conversation. And Jordan Spieth is another player where, you know, regardless of form at Augusta, they're going to keep him where he is, right? He has earned a lot of respect at Augusta and people are going to bet Jordan Spieth no matter what. So I think there are a lot of interesting implications on the line this week. Jordan Spieth has something like five top three finishes at the Masters. And I saw somebody tweet like, uh, yeah, but those three green jackets are really great. And it's like, no, 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 it's just one. Like, how does he only have one? How does he only have one green jacket? It, it feels like he should have won more. Even last year, Rick, Spieth uh, lost by three to Hideki. He finished like three strokes outside of Hideki, and he lost like 3.4 strokes putting. <laughs> It's wild. It's wild. I mean, we could do masters talk for uh, three more days, but let's, let's, um, let's go to the props here. So, so here's what we're, we're about to enter. We are about to enter the segment of the show in which we give away four props. The props that we have in the outline right now, pay 12 and a half times your money on a power play. So what we have normally seen is that uh, within Sometimes minutes of these props coming out, the lines will change. So I recommend get logged into prize picks. Uh, if you haven't signed up, use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. Get ready to go. And I think you should put these in right now because that is uh, the best way to deal with this. We'll get to those props on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready 
ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Time to prop it like it's hot. Props presented by Prize Picks. The code is Rick. The link is in the description. Andy, we've got four props and I like this. We had time to digest. We had time to look at these. We had time to run through all of them. Uh, why don't you kick us off with your first prop? Sure. So I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau under 12 and a half greens in regulation. I just thought that number was really high for anyone. Like I was even, I almost went, I saw Connors was at 13 and Connors is an awesome iron player. And I almost went under on that one because I just thought that was too high is the greens and regulation percentage at uh, this course, like 58%. So I thought 12.5 was too high for a guy like Bryson, who I do think is going to play well this week. I think he'll probably, you know, get better as the week progresses though. Like he looked okay at the match play. Right. So I think that uh 12.5 for Bryson, who is a guy that is prone to getting, a, he's a volatile iron player, right? Like he, he can have great iron weeks. He can also have really, really bad iron weeks. So I thought 12.5 was way too high for Bryson. You and I are on a very similar wavelength here because I also have an under 12 and a half greens in regulation. It's Jordan Spieth, and it is similar to how I also feel about Bryson DeChambeau. So greens in regulation, it's not just the second shot, Andy. It's also a little bit dependent on your first shot. And when you get guys who are capable of spraying it, Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, even once or twice a round, you're limiting the number of greens you can hit very, very quickly. Even Jordan Spieth, when he won this event last year, went under 12 and a half greens in regulation in three of his four rounds. I mean, there, there's a path to victory going under this number, which is kind of crazy. And it's exactly what Spieth did last year coming in seven of his last eight rounds. He's gone under 12 and a half greens in regulation. We know it's been a little bit dry. It can be firm. That can be harder to hold some of these greens, especially for kind of some of the high spin players. So you and I uh, living in the under greens and regulations on a couple of suspect drivers. Yeah. And keep in mind, Spieth, when he went under this prop last year, he was hitting his irons 10 times better than he's hitting his irons right now. So I love that one as well. I went a little wacky with, uh, with my second one. Maybe this is us being a little bit too, too cocky with how well we've been doing with this, but I went with Henrik Stenson to shoot under 72.5. Now, Henrik Stenson is a, not a guy that I think either of us have been talking a lot about recently. And I was frankly surprised to see him in this group with all of the other players, but let me make the case. First of all, this is the highest over under by far, right? I mean, a lot of them were like 70, 70.5, 71, even 71.5. You can get Stenson at under 72.5. So he just has to break par. And this course usually plays right around par and it usually plays under par the first couple of days and then gets a little bit harder over the weekend. So we've got that going for us too. And then Henrik Stenson gained 5.9 ball strikings at the Valspar. Yeah. 5.9 ball striking is no joke, right? And the only reason why he didn't finish higher is because he had a dreadful putting week where he gave it all right back on the greens. But I think there's a chance that I'm not saying we'll see a full resurgence, but 5.9, that's legit. 
And that's enough for me to take a chance on a guy with this high of an over-under. So I think Stenson might be a sneaky play this week. Uh, he's also not in the Masters field, so maybe he just snaps off, wins this thing, gets himself in, and we see him play next week as well. He doesn't need to do all that to catch the prop, just under 72 and a half in round one. I'm under 70 and a half. Sorry, Stenson's under 72 and a half. I'm under 70 and a half on Maverick McNeely round one. I don't know if you and I talked about this at any point, Andy, but he went 2-0-1 in the match play last week, did not get out of his group, which is about the most unlucky thing that you can get. And uh, I think he's playing well. I think we've got a situation where, and we have talked about this before, his career trajectory is up and to the right. He has uh, really improved his game over the last year. He's contending more often. The metrics in the ball striking categories are getting better. He's kind of sneaky, long. I'm taking McNeely here. And even these four unders, Andy, it's four unders. DeChambeau under 12 and a half greens. Speed under 12 and a half greens. Stenson under 72 and a half. McNeely under 70 and a half. 12 and a half times your payout on that prop entry. Matt McNeely, also highest ranked player in this field, not in the Masters field. Ooh, doggy, a little bit of incentive to drive down Magnolia Lane, Mav McNeely has. Uh, so what we've been doing, and the way that I've already started to put in entries, Andy, is I obviously put in these four as a, a power play, 12 and a half uh, times my payout. Then I kind of start splitting them up, right? I'll put uh, Bryson and Spieth together, then Bryson and McNeely, then McNeely, Stenson, and, and, and Bryson, and kind of like mix them all up into different ways so that if we don't go four and oh if we go three and one there's still plenty of uh return available yeah absolutely and i think one thing that we've talked about a ton with prize picks is these early round ones um they seem to like we seem to be taking a lot of unders right and then the later round ones we seem to be taking a lot of overs. so i don't really think that prize picks has quite figured out some of this pricing so we've had a ton a ton of success um, getting off to great starts. So get these in now because I'm sure these numbers will also probably be on the move. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, let's do this. Use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's the code. And now we're going to go into our final segment, Andy. This is head-to-head matchups and our one-and-done selections. We'll hit those after a quick break. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck 
All right, Andy, and we're back. I did just confirm uh, as of this exact moment, those props are still indeed available at the numbers that we offered up. So haven't moved just yet. Let's talk matchups. So we took the week off with the match play last week. We don't have any official matchups to add to our totals here. So just to update, Andy, you are 24, 12, and three. I'm calling back ever closer to 500, 17, 19, and three. And I've got five matchups for you this week that... um. I don't know, man. I'm not, I, I feel medium to low confidence on, quite frankly. These are kind of hard. Yeah. We produce Amina always hitting us with the bangers. Yeah. We were pretty, um, I see we're pretty aligned this week. There's only like one matchup that we're going in a different direction on. And I think that's one that you could be talked into either way. But yeah, man, let's get to it. These are, I had a bit of a tough time with these as well. Chris Kirk versus Abraham answer. Both of us on Abraham answer. So I guess we could make the case for Abe and we could also make the case for Chris Kirk, I guess. And like, I like, why did we settle on answer here? I went with answer. Uh, he's a San Antonio guy. Um, he home bed narrative. We've got that going in our favor. And I really liked what I saw at the match play. I mean, he, he played so well against Morikawa. Um, he played a tight match against Connors and, and really just lost it down the stretch there. But he now returns to a course that he's been good, not great at. Um, I, I think uh, it's a good course for him. I, I'm surprised his results haven't been a little bit better. And I just think that he is in a bit of a, a tier above Chris Kirk. And Chris Kirk is just getting a lot of buzz uh, this week as kind of a, a buzzy name. But I think Answer's still a far superior player. Yeah, for the first three, maybe four matches last week, Answer never trailed, which is a testament to how solid he was the entirety of that match before he eventually got bounced. The 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 reason for Chris Kirk, you know, he had that great Florida swing where he piled up, you know, or I guess it was Phoenix and then into Florida where he had uh, a bunch or three top 15s and he's played really, really well here. So where do you kind of align? You know, you mentioned Augusta being, super sticky in terms of course history. Like where does TPC San Antonio fall in that category? Not as much to me, Rick. And I know there's guys like Charlie Hoffman that seem to always play well here every year, but Brendan Steele won on his first appearance. Zach Johnson won back to back in his first two appearances. We see guys play well here on their first appearance all the time. So there are a lot of guys that like I'm targeting in DFS and, and down the board and betting like a, like a Mito or a Sahith that are just really talented players that haven't played this course before that I think are fine. Like we talked about, I don't think there's a lot of like tricks or nuance to this course. It's kind of all out in front of you. Yeah, both of us on Abraham answer the big boy matchup here, or maybe the second big boy matchup, Jordan Spieth versus Corey Connors. We're both on Corey Connors. I have a question mark next to his name, Andy, because um, historically speaking, guys that make deep runs in the match play, one, they don't always play the very next week, and two, they don't always play well the very next week. Now, this is literally the best place on tour for Corey Connors, and he did not play the full complement of matches. Hat tip to you, Paul Casey, giving Corey Connors a little bit of rest. So I'm I'm still going to side with Connors here, and Spieth is... Spieth is so scary in a matchup scenario. I don't, I'd rather bet him outright than in a matchup just because of the volatility. It's more of a fade on Spieth than it is a play on Connors. I think you made a good point about the match play. Connors might be a little bit tired. I just can't do it with Spieth right now. I just, and maybe I'm putting 
too much stock into the eye test. We've seen him compete at his courses uh, without form before, and this is definitely one of his courses. But I just do not know how you watch Jordan Spieth play golf right now versus how you watch Corey Connors hit that perfectly smooth three-yard baby draw with perfect tempo and pick Jordan Spieth right now. I just, I'm sticking with Connors here. I just can't do it with Spieth right now. Okay, here's one where we've got blood. Gary Woodland versus Maverick McNeely. I'm on the McNeely side of this, and this is foreshadowing for later as well. I talked about him in the prize pick segment. I'm just a believer in his game right now. I think the he played better than even the 17th place finish last week indicates. I, I like the incentive. I just like everything that McNeely has going on right now, but sell me on the Gary Woodland side. This is a tough one for me too. And, you know, I think the biggest thing working against Woodland is that he is in the master's field, whereas McNeely isn't, but Woodland's playing some great golf right now. And I've been on Woodland for quite a while. I see no reason to hop off right now, but you know, he just finished 21st at the Faust bar gained 4.5 on approach. Prior to that, he had those back-to-back top fives in the Florida swing and he finished six at this course last year. So I think the fact that Woodland has played here before played well here before and is in great form, I'm going to give the slight edge to Woodland, but I could go either way for this one. I'm playing both of them in DraftKings. I like Mav too. Okay, very interesting. So we will uh, we will find a winner there. Next up, Adam Hadwin versus Tony Finau. We're both on Adam Hadwin. We've talked about and documented the uh, improvement in his approach play since the start of the calendar year. He's always been a very good putter, but uh, Tony's uh, birdies and bunches against Xander was not enough to sway you to that side of the things in his final round at the uh, at the match play. I bet Tony Finau outright at fifty to one because right. I just thought that was a big number on a guy like Finau in this field. But Hadwin was the number one player in my model this week. I mean, he was, he rates out so well in any metric you want to look at. He's so good on these types of greens. He's so good out of the bunkers. He keeps the ball in play. He's a great mid iron player. I think Hadwin is such a safe bet to finish like 17th this week. And there's a chance that Finau's hot round against Xander was more of an anomaly. So I think you have to go with Hadwin in a matchup. Yeah, higher floor generally gets the nod from me, which I think we both agree at this point is Adam Hadwin. And then this final one, it's Rory McIlroy versus Hideki Matsuyama, which I guess there's multiple layers to, Andy, because there is the back injury aspect for Hideki. Uh, this will be, if he does indeed tee it up, the first time we see him tee it up, um, you know, since his WD at the Players' Championship, it would, in any other sport, we'd call this a look-ahead spot. Hideki obviously defending uh, next week at the Masters. So we've both sided with Rory here. Yeah, I think we both feel good about Rory's chances this week. I have no interest in betting Rory, or I'm not even sure if I'm going to play him in DraftKings, but I think Rory's going to have a good week. I think this is the type of course that Rory can play well at. He played this course once in like 2013 or 2014, I think. And I think he finished runner up. Um, And Hideki's been fine here, right? But we have the injury concerns, right? He's, he's, he's coming off a bad injury. So I'm going to go with Rory here. I think it's I think it's a pretty safe play. That leaves us with one final thing to do. It's our one and done selections. All things considered on the smaller side of the purses and a top heavy field of golfers that we might want to save for later. So we've gone a little bit further down the board here and you are 
uh, atop the leaderboard, Andy, why don't you lead us off with your one and done selection? I'm going with answer. And so I have questions for you, Rick, because I looked in the outline and I saw that you had answer. I was wondering if you saw that. Oh, I sure did. And I thought, okay, do I want to? Because that's kind of a, that's like a mean gamesmanship move to, I'm ahead of you to pick the same guy as you. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pivot from answer. And then I saw you pivoted so I could go back to answer. But why, why the way pivot? pivot? You know, I, I just kind of convinced myself that the trajectory that McNeely is like, okay, so, so as I I really, obviously really like both of these guys this week. Uh, That's, that's very clear. I literally wrote answer in the outline and then changed it up. Um, There is a bit of me that is worried that answers match play results, which is kind of the best we've seen him around was a hair reliant on the putter. You know, he gained like seven strokes putting. Now the, the match play numbers, uh, the match play strokes gain numbers are very, very wonky, but like that was a little bit of a concern. And I just felt like a really hungry McNeely coming off a week where he probably thought, uh, he deserved a lot more. Both of these guys are in the top like seven of the betting odds. I just convinced myself that as much as I like both of them, I'll I'll take Mav this week. And I think you could also make the case that there's more good spots for Abe coming up yeah. on the schedule than there is for Mav. Like you might want to use Abe at the Heritage. You might want to use Abe at the Travelers. You might want to use Abe in Memphis, right? So I'm with you on that one. Um, I, I felt like I was in a position where I can be safe. And I think Abe is a pretty safe bet to finish top 20 this week. So I'm going to continue to do what's worked for me, which is pad those top 10s, pad those top 20s, um, and try and increase my lead ever so slightly. Yeah. So similar to what you said about McNeely and Woodland, like I'll have exposure to both of these guys, McNeely and Answer, but they don't call it. A two and done. They call it a one and done. You got to make a selection. And I went with Mav and hopefully uh, does not come back to bite me because, yes, that would be uh, quite disturbing to have had answer in the outline, moved off of him, and then he wins. And uh, I do not get the money. That would be a bit disturbing for me. Yeah, that would be tough. I think you're due for a for a good break, though. I, I And I like McNeely already this week. Um, so I'm feeling it. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, uh, I have a feeling Friday's scramble is going to be very exciting because we can talk about Masters pricing. We might have more Tiger Woods stuff to talk about. And of course, uh, the Valero Texas Open will have already begun. There will be more and more props. So Andy, I think we are rolling into a big Friday. And then of course, next week, Tuesday, Friday scrambles are probably going to be bonkers. Yeah, it's a blast, man. I'm so excited. I know both of us have really really busy weeks up ahead of us uh but i cannot wait man we're this is kind of our super bowl so uh very very excited for the next couple of weeks man andy lack is available on twitter at adp lack sports you can find me at rick run good this has been your tuesday scramble we'll see you friday good luck